Our text this morning is taken from the book of Luke. Luke chapter 13, verse 10 to 17. Luke 13, verses 10 to 17. I've asked for everything to be put on the screen and that will stay that way so we can keep seeing it. And I read, on a, Sabbath, on a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues and a, ma- and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, He called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue ruler said to the people, if you have your Bible, you can underline that, said to the people, There are six days for work. So come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, you hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the store and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, underline that word, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her. When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. Praise the Lord. Now, I title this message... Um, living above criticism. Living above criticism. Fortunately for me this morning, God wants me to start the topic from the middle. So if you have, if you wish to change the topic at the end of the day, please be free. This morning, I'd like us to journey together into the scriptures. I'd like us to go into these scriptures and putting ourselves in the scripture. A lot of the time when we read the Bible, we read it from a distance, from afar. And so when we read it, we see the people in it, but not ourselves. But if you look at this scripture, what you will find out is for every character in that scripture, it relates to us. Every single character in that scripture. Now, you would like to think that if you were truly a good person, if you had something positive to do, within your family, within your environment, within your workplace, even within your church, you would expect that people will support you and validate you. 
But in this text on the board this morning, this is Jesus being criticized for doing a good thing at a good time for a needy cause. And yet, he receives criticism. Now, Jesus didn't shy away from it. He didn't shy away from his calling, despite the fact that he was being criticized for doing a good thing. A lot of the time, many of us, as a result of we being criticized, we walk away from that which God has asked us to do. We shy away from it, and the person who needs to be blessed by you at times does not receive their blessings simply because you walked away from your calling, from that which God has ordained you to do simply because someone did not validate you. Because they didn't see the reason for you to do it the way you want to do it. And so you shy away from it and don't do it. But before I talk more about criticism, let me take this time to actually acknowledge the faith of this woman. The audacious faith of this crippled woman. And I'm not talking about the faith that made this woman healed. I'm talking about the faith that the Bible describes as for 18 years, this woman kept coming into the, into, into the synagogue. So, for 18 years, she kept coming. She didn't miss a service. She didn't quit. She didn't walk away. And that's why I asked you, how long, how far would you go to show God the commitment that you would give him to receive your blessings? It's amazing. If this woman crippled up as the Bible described it, crippled up, could come in every Sunday for 18 years. How dare any one of us with two good legs, abled, strong, to say, I'm tired this morning, I just can't go to church. And yet, you're expecting a miracle from God. And the thing that we normally say is, um, I'm waiting on God for my miracles. I'm waiting on God for my blessings. And for a very, very long time, I used to use that phrase. But I think that phrase is disrespectful to God. To say that you are waiting on God, are we saying God is slow? 
Are we saying God is not able to deliver our blessing? Or do we actually think God is a restaurant that when you place your order, that's when he goes to make it? Your blessings, your miracles have been created long before you were even born. Your solution, God had already provided it. So you are not waiting on God. God is waiting on us. How far are we ready to go to show God that we truly need it? We're talking about the faith of this woman. The faith to preserve when nothing at all was working. For 18 years, she would go to church for nothing. The faith to be nice while others are nasty. The faith to consistently show excellence even when people do not value your creativity. And when people talk down at you, yet you still show God that I am here. This woman has gone into the synagogue for 18 years and there was no glory day. The Ark of the Covenant is gone. God told Moses to build that Ark of Covenant. That Ark of Covenant that was built was a symbolic presence of, of the presence of God. And he said to them, as often as you go, you go with the Ark of Covenant because it's, you're saying it's my presence that goes before you. And that Ark of Covenant was always placed in the synagogue and there they had the veil. But the Ark of Covenant was no longer there. This woman would go to the synagogue where the presence of God might not even have been there. But yet she was committed knowing that at one time or another my healing is coming. At times we come to church and then we say, oh, God is not here, God is not here. Maybe if I go to another church, who told you? Who told you that is where your blessing is? She comes. She comes. For 18 years and she leaves the same. Absolutely no change in her circumstance. But yet... She showed faithfulness. And you know, to all of us who, who make this deal with God and say, you know what? I'll worship you if you do this for me. God, if you do this for me, I will praise you for the rest of my life. If you do this for me by Friday, by Saturday, listen, what I will do I will be a rascal for you. I will preach the world over for you. This morning, God says that deal is off. I have someone who will worship me 
whether the blessings come or not. I have someone who will worship me whether I heal your child or not. I have someone who will praise me whether there's money in their pocket or not. These people will worship me regardless. They will worship me in true love and in service. So if you're going to give me unconditional love, tough. For 18 years, she persevered. And for 18 years, she kept on listening to contradictory words coming into her mind. People would say to her, what? for 18 years, you crippled woman, can you not just sit at home? But yet, she goes, every Sunday, without fail. The Bible says she was bent over. She was infirmed in such a way that she could not lift herself. So she needed help to get in and to get out. Now, the Bible didn't actually tell us if she had a family. The closest thing that we know about a family to this woman was when Jesus said, she's a daughter of Abraham. For as many of us here who are covenant, for as many of us here who are under that Abrahamic covenant, God says that your blessing will come. Oh no, you people didn't hear me. God says that your blessings will come. She had no family. So maybe, maybe, maybe she was in foster care. Or is that what they call it? Old people's home. Maybe it was friends who would take her in and take her back. Maybe it could have been strangers. But think about it. Think about it. Now, my dad had cerebral, whatever they call the cerebral stroke, and it affected him very, very badly in 2009. It was just a week to when I was going to get married. And since then, I wasn't at home. All my siblings had moved out of the house. So he was just left with my dad and my mother. And every day, she would cater for this man. Every day, she would wash him. Every day, she would help you feed him. If they have to go out, she would help to get him out. Now imagine... If this man says every Sunday, I need to be at church. You can imagine the strain it will put on my mother. At some point, she probably would say, can you not just sit at home? Can you not just chill? So you can imagine the difficulty, the situation this woman was in. But yet the scripture says that for 18 years, 
consistently. She kept coming. If she would have to beg the person, she would beg. And now to be crippled, when every time I think about being crippled, it scares me. In fact, it scares me a lot more than death. Because when you are crippled and you can't do things for yourself, you know how people look down at you? The moment you look at me in a funny way, I don't want to have anything to do with you. So I can imagine what this woman must have been subjected to. How people will look at her, how people will talk to her, how people will relate and deal with her. But yet, she saw the greater thing. And for 18 years, she depended on people, and her commitment was great. And the scripture says, and finally, on the 18th day, on the 18th year, on the 365th day of the 17th year, she comes. And Jesus was there. Glory, glory be to God. Jesus was there. Now, if I was to preach a revival, I'd probably title this message, This Might Be the Day. This Might Be the Day. Why did you come to church this morning? Because this might be the day. Why did you wake up this morning in this very cold day to come to church? Because this might be the day. Why do you put in another application after all the others have been rejected? Because this might be the day. This day might be your day. She comes. And today was a, like, a very, very special day. That day was like a special day. The scriptures said that Jesus walked into the synagogue. So he came in probably as a special a guest minister. Thank you. He came in as a guest minister. And you can imagine if this day was his day she wasn't present. Maybe another 18 years. She came. And being a special guest who was preaching, I can imagine the church buzzing on that day with loads of people. Many people coming to church. So it was probably a packed service. After all, Jesus was a big, influential character. He was the man who everyone, who set the whole 
Jerusalem, the whole Galilee lights with his wonders and his preachings and his miracles. So I can just imagine how full the church must have been on that day. And scripture says that as he began to minister, as he began to preach, it's taken off. As he began to minister and began to teach, the scripture says that he saw her. He saw her. Now, the scriptures hasn't, the Bible hasn't got time to tell you things that you don't need to know. It doesn't have time to tell you informations that are probably irrelevant. So the fact that it was mentioned, it makes that word powerful. It implies that others didn't. Do you know you can walk in this morning and no one will know you? No one sees you. Do you know you can be in a family and people don't even know you? You can be at your place of work and no one has a clue who you are. They have no clue of who you are. Well, that scripture says Jesus saw her. He notices her. And I don't just mean that he noticed her because she had probably come in on that Sunday with her manicure and her pedicure and her hair was dripping and she had a very nice Louis Vuitton shoe. The scripture says he saw her. He saw her fragile state. He saw what 18 years of crippleness had done to her soul. He saw the pain that she had carried for 18 years. And if you look at that scripture very well, she didn't at any point in time shout out, God, Lord, Savior, as you would have probably seen in other messages. When they see Jesus passing and people are shouting, I am here, Lord, have mercy. She wept and cried in her spirit and in her soul. God answers prayers. Whether you shout it or you whip it. He saw her. Do you not think that God sees you? Do you not think that every day you come into church that God doesn't see you? Do you not think that he sees your infirmity? He sees what you're going through. He sees the pain you're covering. He sees the sorrows. God sees you. He sees you. 
and he called the crippled woman. Woman, come forth. This morning, God says, come forth. And every burden that you carry, he says, lay it down at my feet. Your healing, your sorrows, your pains. And he's ready to bear it all. And after Christ had finished, there you see the hypocrites and the criticizers. Now, criticism takes its root from the word critique or shares the same roots as the word critique. To be criticized is not always a bad thing because the truth is at times criticizers or critiques makes us stronger. It makes us able to perfect the thing which God has called us to do. The likes of Tiger Woods would not have been Tiger Woods without critiques. The Cristiano Ronaldos of this world, without criticism, they probably would not have perfected the art of footballing on the pitch without criticism. It's not all who criticizes you doesn't mean that you, when you are criticized, it doesn't always mean that the person hates you. It doesn't always mean that they don't love you. And so you cannot justify or you cannot evaluate a person only by the message that they bring to you. Scripture says that Jesus at times, sometimes he, he, he embraces people that I've, I would feel that he should reject. And at times he rejects those that I feel he should actually embrace. When Peter came to him, when they came for Jesus, and Peter said, no, you cannot have Jesus. He said, get thee behind me. When Judas came and, 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 and came to criticize and came to take him, he says, he calls him friend. He calls him friend. At times we are criticized to make us better. Jesus was criticized. Being criticized does not mean you should now forfeit that which God has asked us to do. Because if you forfeit that which God has called you to do, then someone else could also be affected. Because at times it is not always you that the enemy is after. It could be those that you seek to help, those that you seek to bless. So if you hide yourself, then not only you will be affected, but friends, families would also be affected. 
Jesus understood that. He said, though my critics might be here, it won't stop me from doing that which I need to do. Now I said to you, she underlined at the time, they said when they were criticizing, they criticized Jesus to the people. Now when you want to critique someone, it's better you critique to the person who can do something about it rather than just murmuring to people who are sideways or downwards. Because that's murmuring and that's complaining. And that's not productive. That's not productive. On the group chat earlier this week, uh, Dickness Kofor asked us to complete our workers' form. For all of you who want to be workers in the, year, in, in the coming year. And I know at times this is the point where some people would say, you know what, Sunday school teachers, listen, Brother Richard is always critiquing me. So this is my day. This word is for you. <laughs> because not all criticism is bad. It doesn't mean they don't love you. It doesn't mean I don't love you. It's just that maybe God is saying, I need to critique this person for the benefits of his destiny ahead. Because if you can perfect it now, then your future is brighter with it. critiques they came about everywhere Jesus went they were there everywhere he went they were there don't be afraid to be criticized it only means that they notice you if you're not noticed no one will criticize someone who's not noticed it means you're doing something great for you to have caught their attention Don't shy away from the things that God has placed in your heart to do. Don't be scared, ID. Don't be scared to be different. The Pharisees and the Sadducees could not accept Jesus as the Messiah because he was just too different. They are still waiting till today for him to arrive. He was bold enough to be different. So people will critique you for being different, for being Christians, for being the sons and daughters of Abraham. But your blessing must come. And you shall receive it this day in the mighty name of Jesus. Can we bow our heads? Talk to God this morning. Cast your sorrows, cast your burdens, whatever it is that is making you bend over, whatever has crippled you this day. 
whatever it is. Jesus speaking, he says, cast them all before me and I will give you a lighter yoke. He paid the full price so that you may be able to stand straight and stand upright. He says, regardless of how many years might have passed, regardless of how long you have carried that burden, you are not waiting for me. I am waiting for you to prove to me that when I do release my blessings upon you, you will not turn your back on me. He's asking you to show your commitment to him this morning. Cast it on the Lord.